Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Movie Maniacs podcast. I'm officially on winter break. I'm on a hiatus that will last until early of January, so I've got plenty of time to come back and deliver multiple episodes to you guys for the remainder of 2022. Haven't been able to do a lot of episodes as of late because of the whatever you want to call it, school workload, you could say. Just haven't had the time to do it. Haven't had the weekends open to be able to sit down and have a two-hour you know, discussion about films recently. But we're back, and we've got a lot to talk about now. I'm going to be delivering my Black Adam review at some point. I saw that on Halloween, and we will get that review to you. As of now, though, you know we're, we are definitely in the latter half of 2022. Lot of, a lot of the movies that we were heavily anticipating, they have now come out. You know, I think Wakanda Forever was one of those movies that a lot of people had a very careful eye on when we looked at the slate of films that were going to, that were going to be coming out this year. That was definitely one that came out. Um, I wanted to go through just very briefly the list that I have of movies that I'm I'm still anticipating to see for the remainder of this year. Now, you know, the top films in my list when we kicked this year off were, you know, films like Nope, The Batman, uh, Top Gun Maverick, The Northman. I'm going through some of them actually right now. Let me see here. Um Ambulance was one that I was pretty interested in seeing. Uh, Kenobi, that didn't really turn out to be what I was hoping. I had some weird ones on my list. I had like the Munsters, which was awful. I don't know why I put that one up there in retrospect, but it was one that I was anticipating. Doctor Strange 2 did not live up to the hype for me at least, but was still a, a neat film. Guys, 2022 is has definitely been a mixed bag, and we'll talk a little bit more about that as we approach 2023 in a quicker succession. Uh, probably we'll get that episode out in 2023, a reflection of this year, because it's had some ups, some incredible ups. You know, Top Gun Maverick comes to mind, obviously. I think that was easily the biggest bright spot of this year. There are some films that I need to catch up on, some films that... I, I missed into theater run, unfortunately, and that's going to have to be there's, there's going to have to be some films that I heavily buckled down on. The Woman King, Bodies, Bodies, The Banshees of Intrin is one I really need to see. I'm excited for that one. Three Thousand Years of Longing, The All Quiet, All Quiet on the Western Front, the Netflix film. I heard that was great. Marcel, The Shell with Shoes on, a twenty four film. I was that I still have at the top of my list as films I need to see. Amsterdam, which I heard wasn't that good, but still a film I feel like is worth seeing. The David Bowie documentary I was very excited about. Terrifier 2, I'd be down to watch that film. A couple other ones in there, but those are the main films I feel like I need to catch up on before we wrap this year up. Like I said, mixed bag here, guys. Uh, we have a really solid top five or six as of right now for 2022. But I'll be honest, my top 10... It's not a very strong top 10, honestly. When I look at 2021, I feel like I had a much more solid top 10. The Last Duel, Licorice Pizza, The Green Knight, Mad God, The Beatles Get Back, The Velvet Underground documentary. You know, I'll take the documentaries. My real top 10, 
was number one Dune, Come On, Come On by Walking with Walking Phoenix, West Side Story, Mad God, The Green Knight, Licorice Pizza, The Last Duel, The Suicide Squad, Don't Look Up, and then I think like the Snyder Cut or Spider-Man No Way Home, something like that. To me, that's a really solid top 10. I loved all those films. Now, when I look at my top 10 right now, there is a good, like the top six, I think are really good. And then the bottom four, I, I thought like, yeah, those are good, but those are not like all timers. Like Dune was an all timer for me or like really was was a riveting one. And everything, everywhere, all at once, I have that as I think my number seven. And that's a film that I, I do truthfully feel is one that will continue, sorry, I'm taking my jacket off, to age well as time goes on. That's one that I actually really do need to rewatch before we get into, you know, the big Oscar discussion season, which we are quickly approaching. The latter half of every year when it comes to movies is typically the most exciting, just because all those big Oscar films that we've heavily been anticipating are coming out. Here is my current top 10 for 2022 because i'll always update it and add stuff on here it is padre pio with shia labeouf which i feel like i'm the only one who's excited for that one but i'm i'm pretty interested in that emancipation with will smith which has is going to have a lot of discussion around it whenever that film comes out on apple apple tv plus you can guarantee that that's going to be a movie that gets a lot of people talking obviously what, what with what happened earlier this year you can guarantee there's going to be a lot of discussion on that film. The Pinocchio movie, directed by Guillermo del Toro, which I watched the trailer for today, actually. Thought it was actually a lot better than what I expected it to be. I'm excited for that one. I think that can be really good. When I look at 2022 right now, one of the things that I see is missing is a really good animated film. We haven't had one this year. Not one. I was hoping Wendell and Wilde might be it, but I thought that one was a little lackluster. And Lightyear was not something I was anticipating, not something I thought was going to be good. I didn't watch Lightyear. I'm not going to watch Fantastic Planet. So I really feel like as of right now, we are missing that great animated movie. I am desperately hoping that Guillermo del Toro is the guy that's going to deliver that. And I think he's got a really good shot at it. So that's my number eight. Number seven, The Whale by Brendan Fraser, which I actually discovered this week is not based on Moby Dick. I thought that Brendan Fraser was going to be playing the sea captain looking for Moby Dick. That is actually not the case. It's going to be a lot different. So I actually kind of lowered it down because honestly, uh, Darren Aronofsky take on Moby Dick sounds a lot cooler to me than whatever this professor nonsense he's doing. But I feel like this is still going to be a good film. I'm, in, I'm excited to see it. And that's a film that I think is slowly building up a lot of hype just because of Brendan Fraser kind of making this career comeback, I, I feel like this is going to be a good film. I don't think it's going to be the incredible film that I'm hoping for, but I think it's still nevertheless going to be a solid film. Babylon, Damien Chazelle, only two films, and I feel like they're both iconic. So Babylon has a lot of pressure on it, but I think it, it has a good chance of delivering. Decision to Leave by Wong Kar Wai, I think... Oh, Park Chan Wook. My, my bad. I got uh, got my directors mixed up there. I've been watching some Wong Kar Wai and good stuff. Good stuff. Next, I put The Sun 
This is the sequel-esque film to 2020's The Father. We're starring Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Colman, which I thought was riveting. One of the best films of 2020. As of right now, the reviews coming out for this film are not speaking to this as a great successor. It appears to be lacking at a lot of the areas that made The Father great. I still put this one up top because I think it can be really good, but my expectations for that are falling pretty drastically. Number three, Avatar, The Way of the Water, guys. I rewatched Avatar in IMAX in 3D, and it's one of the best theater experiences I think I've ever had, without a doubt. You know, uh, Jude was not as big of a fan of it as I was hoping him, him to be, but my uh, younger brother Silas really, really loved it. I had a blast watching this film. Is it a little bit long? Yes. Is it one of the best experiences I've had with a movie? 100%. I'm not going to watch Avatar or Way of the Water if it's not in theaters on IMAX in 3D. So I don't think I'll, I may not, never watch Avatar again, honestly, but it's, I think it's always going to be an experience I remember. I think Way of the Water has a good shot of delivering. I'm excited. The trailers are giving me goosebumps. It that Avatar just really tapped into this deep feeling to me that was just so beautiful and full of wonder. I hope Way of the Water does the same thing. I'm excited for this one. Number two, Knives Out, The Glass Onion. Guys, I do not think this film is going to be as good as the first one. My hype is a little bit lesser than it was starting out. Just because, honestly, just because of the Netflix sheen around this film, I just don't think it's going to be as special as that first Knives Out film was. But I'm I'm very excited for this movie. I think it has a great shot of being one of my favorite films of 2022. But I don't think it's going to capture everything that was so special about that first Knives Out film, which has me a little concerned because, honestly, I didn't really feel like I needed sequels to Knives Out. But if anybody can do it, I think it's Ryan Johnson, a very talented director. Let's see what well, let's see what he delivers with Glass Onion, which comes out next week. And my review for that film will come out next week, Thanksgiving week. Hard to believe it's already here. Number one, The Fablements, the new Steven Spielberg film. West Side Story was one of my favorite films of last year. I think The Fablements has a great shot of cracking my top three for sure. Great cast, loaded. This has everything I think that could make a great Spielberg film. I, I I sense a lot of passion in this one. And I feel like any Spielberg film that has a lot of passion behind it is always going to be one that excites me and one that's going to be a great film for him because I think Spielberg at his worst are those films where he's not that passionate. So I feel like he's going to have a lot of emotion and he's going to put a lot of his own emotion into this one. And I think it's going to be a really good film. So that's my number one as of right now. And The Fablemans and Glass Onion – it's not that long until they come out. Now, the thing is, a lot of Oscar contenders are not really going to come out until early next year, which is just weird. I don't know why that's the case, because then it's not a 2022 film. But anyway, I guess that's because of film festivals and all that stuff. But anyway, still a lot to look forward to this year. Now, let's get into our main film, our main topic of discussion here, and that's Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Guys, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. There's a lot riding on this film. Almost too much pressure, I feel. And listen, the shadow of you know Chadwick Boseman has loomed very large over this film from the moment it was announced. And ever since then, this film has had eyes on it from the jump. And listen, that's a lot of pressure upon this cast, on the writer's room on Ryan Coogler, the director here. 
I wouldn't wish this heavy, heavy task on anybody. And listen, it's a it, this film. I honestly, when the first trailer came out for this movie, I was blown away. I thought, yes, this is just about exactly what I was hoping for. Because I know people were call, were calling for a recast. I never really understood that narrative. Maybe if I, I took my time and looked into that a little bit more, I would I would understand that feeling. But honestly, guys, I think it's a respectful move the way they go about making this sequel in terms of handling the legacy, handling the loss. You could tell that it really did touch this main cast here with Latio Wright, Lupita Nyong'o, um, obviously Angela Bassett here. The, the three of them definitely have a heavy task upon them here. And Ryan Coogler in a very similar case as well. It's a really, this is a really tough task. And I'm going to handle this film with as much respect as I can because, you know, I thought Chadwick Boseman was awesome as Black Panther, awesome and anything that I've seen him in. A very talented actor, and obviously he's left a great legacy behind. The fact he only played this character th three to four times and is uh, instantly iconic as this character speaks to his acting, speaks to the greatness of that first Black Panther film. Which is not, I don't think, considered a great film, but it has a lot of great qualities to it. I give that film a, a, a 7 out of 10. Maybe that is a, a, a rating that would bring me a lot of hate, bring me a lot of criticism. But I, I still feel like it is a very solid film in the MCU catalog, whatever you want to call it, in the resume. I really felt like Wakanda Forever had the chance to do something very special. And then I hear about this runtime. My goodness. Two hours and 40 minutes, this film. Ooh. Listen, I, I, that, that really got me nervous because then I, then I got a better understanding of they're really going to try and cram a lot of stuff into this film. And I was spot on with that instinct. As soon as I heard Namor was going to be in this film, which I am slightly familiar with, not a big Namor fan, ever been pushing for Namor. That has not been a character I have been dying to see. There are many characters at this point I've been dying to see in the MCU, guys. We got Spider-Man. I'm good. <laughs> you know, I'm not really dying for any new characters in the MCU at this point. It already feels so blown up at this point. So swollen. I mean, speaking of Thanksgiving, that's really the MCU right now. The MCU really does feel like Thanksgiving after you've eaten everything and you're just full and you kind of have that. Maybe I shouldn't have done that feeling because... Everything here feels so crammed. Just not 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 speaking of Wakanda forever, just the MCU in general right now. It's easily, I think, at the lowest point it could possibly be at. You look at the run of the MCU, I think this is the lowest point that we've been at. And I really felt like Wakanda Forever had a lot on it just because, believe it or not, guys, in December by December, it'll have been a year ago since No Way Home came out, which is crazy to me. It feels like last month. It really does, but it'll be a it'll have been a year since No Way Home came out. And when I look at the Phase 4 of MCU, which we're going to talk a lot about in this episode, there's a lot to discuss here because I believe this is the wrap-up for Phase 4. And Phase 4 has had some highs, and it's had a lot of lows. It's had a lot of lows. But I don't mean to say there haven't been highs here. Guys, I'm going to get this one right off the bat. Wakanda Forever did not work for me in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, I struggled with this film and it, it, it pains me to say that because i wanted this film to work so badly i loved that first trailer so much it had a lot of beauty into it and ryan coogler is a very very talented director he really is creed 
an awesome film. Black Panther, an awesome film. The MCU machine does work its way in here in a, in a few instances where Ryan Coogler, he shoots this film very well in certain ways. But there is always that MCU sheen of just whatever it is, this modern filmmaking that I just struggle to wrap my mind around or, or struggle to go along with, not wrap my mind around. Um, I, I've, I've understood it pretty well at this point that the MCU has a set color palette and it's just not going to to go away from that. The, these kind of muted colors, this muted tone. Guys, it's just not my cup of tea at this point. You go back and watch Iron Man 2008, it did not have that feeling. Same with Joss Whedon. But by phase two, we really kind of started to get introduced to this new, muted, dull color world. And I'm, and I'm not meaning to say the MCU hasn't made great looking films. They have Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, this film. They have instances of their directors really shining through despite all of the limitations that I feel like is put upon them by this MCU formula. And I've harped about this for so long. I don't intend to harp about it forever, but it, it, it is a sticking point with me because there are so many beautiful moments in this film. Not, not many, but there are, are a good few beautiful moments in this film that are beautifully shot, but they come, they are few and far between. I think that's the best way of putting it. They're, they are few and far between. I'd have liked a lot more of this stuff. But the film is trying to put in this whole other task in front of this movie. Already had a lot to deal with, you know, dealing with Chadwick Boseman's passing, the lineage of Black Panther. Guys, this did not have to be an action film. I could have just handled the drama. The best stuff in this film is between Leanna Wright, Wright as Shuri and Angela Bassett as the you know T'Challa's mom, Ramonda or whatever. That stuff to me was really the the best part of the film. Anytime these actors really get to shine through and show their emotion, that to me is where this movie works the best. And it's that is really where Ryan Cougar's talent is at because anytime we get to these action sequences, and there are quite a few of them, the, there is action in this film. Make no mistake, there is action in this film. Is it as much as a winter soldier? No. But there are this movie is an action film, nevertheless. It is an action film. I would have rather just had a drama because this was a sticking point I also had with Black Panther. Black Panther worked the most when it was handling its themes, handling the drama between the characters. That was the stuff that really worked for me. Anytime they went to the same MC formula, the action, I just tuned out. Black Panther did not have memorable action to me. In many ways, I thought it had pretty pitiful action. But I was able to push past that and say, hey, look at these great performances by Michael B. Jordan and Chadwick Boseman and, and this great cast that has been assembled here to make to make this film. And I feel almost in many ways the same way about Wakanda Forever. But it, it feels like Wakanda Forever is having to have a lot more put upon it here than the first Black, Pan Black Panther just did it. And the first one had a lot of pressure on it too. Because it really was sold, that first Black Panther film, as finally African-Americans, black people around the world are finally getting a great uh, black culture film superhero. You know, we were they were finally getting that film. And I feel like that movie accomplished that in many ways because I can't, you know, I haven't seen Blade, but I doubt that was really the film, if you know what I mean. So 
I feel like Black Panther accomplished its task, and I feel like in many ways Wakanda Forever is attempting, you know, it's attempting to pass on the mantle. And I and the first scene in this film and the last scene in this film, I think, are great. Great. And they had a lot of emotion in them. And I was and I was feeling it from the actors, feeling it from the, the music. I feel like when it, the movie really does buckle down and try and tackle the drama and the passing of the mantle and all the emotion and all the attention that's been put around this film, to me, that's where the movie shines the most. Because I really did feel that emotion. It it may sound, you know, uh, uh, sarcastic or or joking, but the best part of this movie to me, and I talked about this with my dad afterwards because we went to go see this movie as a family, and that surprised me because I honestly thought that, I mean, my family has tuned out of the MCU about just as much as I have, or if not more so, because I still want to go see these films. Um, but man, that, that love is dying <laughs> with each release, with each television show, it, it, it's, it's, it, it's lessening for me. But the best part of this film to me was when they do the MCU opening, and it's all... Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther. All of all, just all Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther. No Iron Man, no Spider Man, no Captain America. It's just all Chadwick Boseman. I honestly, I really felt that. I was that to me is one of the best tributes they give him in this film. It just it really struck a chord with me because I really liked Black Panther from the jump in Silver War. I thought he was a great character. He had a lot of potential. You know, there, there was a, a lot of good, and I thought a lot of that was tapped into with the 2018 Black Panther film. And I remember a criticism I had of that Black Panther film was that I love, almost loved the side characters in that film more than I even did the lead because the the side characters were able to do a lot more. They were able to, it's like they were able to have a lot more fun. But anytime it came to the drama in that Black Panther film, I felt like Chadwick Boseman always knew what to do. And now I'm kind of getting my wish. I'm having all of these side characters as the leading characters. And, and, and that's a bit of a problem for me here because I feel like this film really does lack a strong lead presence in this movie. It just does. It really does seem to bounce around between Ramonda, Shuri, Nakia. Um, it, it just is, it's bouncing around all over the place. Okoye, you know, there, there are just, it feels like there's four leads in this film. And that's just, and I understand like that may be an, an intentional decision, but it, it just bothered me a little bit that I felt like this film did not really have a strong core at the center of it. Because I don't feel like if we're supposed to say, you know, Shuri is the lead of this film, I don't really feel like they do a great job of that. And I really like Latita Wright as Shuri. I thought she was great from the jump in 2018 and has been great since then. She's always been a fun presence. And now there is a lot of weight put on the actress's shoulders and the character's shoulders. And I do feel like, like that weight at the start of the film comes through, but it ebbs and flows in the way that it really puts a lot of focus on that. I, I kind of felt like it was bouncing back and forth from hey namor and look at this we got julia louis dreyfus in here and you know they're building the thunderbolt so we're getting more of that character in here and martin freeman and then 
Namor underwater stuff. How do you, you know, we've got Ironheart in here and she's going to have her own Disney Plus show. There's just a lot of other stuff that is added into this film. I don't know whether this was intentional by Ryan Googler or put upon him by Marvel, which I'm leaning towards the latter here. I just, it's weird to me that we're having so much other characters who are going to do more stuff later on. Julia, we drive this. She's going to have that Thunderbolts movie and uh ironheart you know like and, and listen it's no disrespect to those characters i liked ironheart i anytime i laughed in this movie it was because of ironheart so if you're going in this film with the comedy and like you want a lot of comedy in this film then ironheart is your character guys i wouldn't have been disappointed if i walked out of this film and didn't laugh once if, if my ideal reaction coming out of this film and this was never going to happen oh, oh hit my mic there but this was never going to happen but my my ideal reaction for walking out of this film would have been like in tears. Like this movie just hit me that hard and really paid so much tribute to this to this actor and, and human being that accomplished a, a, a lot in the you know the short amount of time that we were really aware of this actor and paying respect to I mean just the incredible hardship he went through playing this this tasking character without ever revealing his illness it's a very you know it's hard to even put that into words i don't know what that's like very few people on this earth are ever gonna really know what all the emotions that 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 man went through and i really felt like this movie should have tapped in more on that stuff in the mantle being passed and a lot of the more of the drama based with the characters than any of this Namor stuff. And guys, I'm not here to to brag on Namor this whole film, but man, I just did not want him in this film. I just did not. I really could have done without him because I don't think any of this stuff looks good. These blue people are awful. I mean, they look really bad. I mean, that's just to start off. They do not look good. And what and whether you agree or disagree with me, this is the exact same thing as what we got in the first Black Panther film. Disgruntled person going out seeking revenge on the higher-up people in the world. Going up against the hierarchy. That's really what we got in, first, in the first Black Panther film. This movie did not need a villain. It didn't. And I feel like what I'm wanting of this film is something that an MCU film has never delivered. And I feel like the MCU is so dead set on this type of formula... Which has served them well, and no disrespect to them because it has served them well and it's given us great films. But with this particular film, more so than ever, I needed it to, to, to just step out of the formula for a second. And I feel like when the movie does do that, when we get these emotional moments with Angela Bassett, who absolutely crushes it in this film, if there's one 100% positive that never fails me in this film, it's Angela Bassett. She never disappoints. She never disappoints. From the jump, I feel her pain. I feel her emotion. Any impassioned speech she gives, I was like, let's go. This is what I'm wanting from this movie. There were a lot of gray areas in the decision she, like the Okoye scene where she's like about, where she strips Okoye. There is a lot of grayness in that scene. And I, and I really, really liked it when the movie was able to give us those gray moments between characters where there, it, it was a right and a wrong choice. And I think there was a lot of what Black Panther in 2018 did well as 
as, as well. What it did very, very well. And when the movie gives us some of those grayer moments between the characters and that, uh, and that Angela Bassett and uh, Akoye see really speaks to that to me of, of some of the best stuff this movie does when it comes to character writing in terms of story. That was really what worked for me is when we got scenes like that. But anytime we have to go through the same action stuff that just did not work for me, I mean, listen, Ryan Coogler just seems to, anytime we get to the action, he just hands it to the second unit. You guys, you guys take care of this. Because, I mean, it's not his forte. It's not really what he signed up for. He's given us good boxing scenes in Creed. But other than that, action has never been Ryan Coogler's known strength. I do not believe that he directed these action sequences. Maybe he did, but they just are not exciting. I'm ready to skip past him. If I had a fast-forward button, I would fast-forward every action sequence in this film. It just doesn't do anything for me. My, I went out as freaking Hannibal Lecter watching this film. My, 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 my heart rate never went up. I was not heavily engrossed in this action. And anytime we do get an action, it feels like, okay, you know, we, we got to get this action stuff. We got to get the action sequences in because it almost seems like it's just a part of it. We got to have the action in here. And I understand that because the MCU has kind of put themselves into this box of having these beat by beat formulas that have served them well over time. But just in this particular film, I did not want that. I did not want that. No Way Home, Thor Love and Thunder, like these past few films that have had these action sequences, those were warranted. Like, yes, I understand you need to have these action sequences in these action sequences in here but black panther wakanda forever did not need to have a single action scene in this movie and i stand by that it really did it i'd have been perfectly satisfied if the movie ended with shuri looking at the black panther mask and putting it on and that was it and we maybe saw her like jump on some buildings or something like that i don't know but i really did not need a lot of action in this film. I just didn't. It, it was never something that, that I was excited for. Anytime they shoot action in the promos for this film, I, I just was like, I don't need this. I, guys, I really do not need this. Just give me the drama that I'm looking for. And I, even though I was not a big fan of this film, I did not enjoy the experience overall. Anytime that Ryan Cougar is able to really dive into the drama between the characters that we like, which is Shuri, Okoye, Queen Ramonda. I'm really hoping I'm pronouncing that name right. But And uh, Nakia, all that stuff. That was really what worked for me. Even um, M'Baku, uh, played by Winston Duke, who really surprised me in this film for how good he was. Like He really ends up being the moral compass for this film in a lot of respects. I thought he did a fantastic job. It's disappointing to see this sudden 180 this character does that just comes out of nowhere. Like it just it comes out of nowhere to me. This like isolationist civilization, this, this leader is all of a sudden gonna like no, he's rising up too. And I guarantee guys, it's so sad to me. I guarantee if we get a Black Panther 3, it's the same thing. It, they're going to try and do this switch up on M'Baku where he's wanting to rise up or something like that. And I just don't want to see that again because 
this movie clearly shows you can't get lightning in a bottle twice. And lightning in the bottle once was Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger, who is arguably the best villain the MCU's had. You could you could definitely make that case. It's one of the best performances the MCU's had. It's one of the best characters. I know Patrick disagrees with me on this one. Uh, we I think we did talk about that one at one point on a podcast, but I really liked Michael B. Jordan in that movie. He's just a great actor. I mean, can we agree on that? I mean, with the, the trailers for Creed coming out, he's just a great actor. He really is. He, he, he does a fantastic job. I don't know who this actor is playing his name more. I'm sure he's a good actor. He just did not click with me very much in this film. He he, he just didn't. I, I, I never got on board with this Namor stuff because I realized and when we were kind of getting this backstory and stuff and this montage and it's just like, how many times are we going to have to see the villain walking around, talking to our protagonist, giving this speech, flashbacks? I mean, 20, like 33 films in, guys, I've seen this before. I've seen this before, and that's not in any way like saying it hasn't worked in the past because it has. But at some point, the MCU has just got to acknowledge, acknowledge that 30 films in plus, people are going to get tired of these trips, and that's just the feeling that I'm that I'm in the middle of right now. Is I've seen this stuff before, I don't really want to see it again. I, I I just don't. I've seen this same speech a thousand times at this point, and listen, there are impactful. Not, not impactful, but I could see some passion in the Namor stuff, but it just did not click with me because I realized we had seen this before, and this is just a lesser version of the Killmonger story. And I was not, you know, the spoiler review, did not expect the Michael B. Jordan cameo, did not know that, did not look at the cast list. That surprised me quite a bit. It came out of nowhere, though, guys. This sudden switch Shuri has, it's hit, like this whole, I want to burn the world down stuff. It, it was hinted at like twice. And other than that, she's pretty happy-go-lucky to do this mission with Okoye and all that stuff. And I just not feel like the arc that our quote-unquote main character is getting here was was all that well done. It, it To me, it just... It did not click with me in the way that I was hoping it would, and I was down for sure. You know, being the uh, being the lead of the film, I felt like the actress can do it. I still hold on to the fact that if there weren't so many other aspects of this film that were kind of crossing that she was having to cross paths with, that I felt like we're kind of interrupting the arc that we were meant to see her have. <coughs> sorry, that we were meant to see her have that I could re retain for you, that I still think that she can do a great job as a lead. But the film ultimately, I think, fails her. And because it's trying to do so many other things, it doesn't really feel like anything really is handled like as well as it could. It seems like because the film is trying to do so many other things and put so much other stuff in in this very long runtime, that's absolutely ridiculous. This film should not be two hours and 40 minutes. It just shouldn't. Guys, cut the Ironheart stuff out. As fun as it is when we get those, you know, cheesy, obvious one-liners that I occasionally chuckle at, cut it out. This film does not need Ironheart in it. It just doesn't. And I listen, this is not a a beating on the character, anything like that. I think Dominic Thorne 
can do great stuff as Riri Williams. I, I really do. I'm a, I think the show can be good. She's a fun presence in this film. But guys, not a two-hour, 40-minute film. Please, please, no. I do not need 160 minutes. I do not. So I say cut this stuff out. Just cut it. It's so contrived to get the, the machine that's tracking the Wakanda, the, uh, tracking the vibranium and the metal detector, and we got to go look for this person. And then, like, Namor is wanting to kill the scientist, and then he, like, drops that, like, halfway through the film or whatever. It just, the film bounces around so much when it's time in the third act to get into the actual arcs and real and see how far we've come as characters i don't feel like there's been any actual growth done by these characters all of a sudden shuri has this like mind switch because michael b jordan was talking to her but now she's like this now she's hard and she's gonna you know possibly you know she's gonna kill namor and maybe she takes over the world or something like that it just goes crazy and that's where did, where is this coming from besides that one scene we had at the campfire because other than that one scene we don't really get a lot of in-depth time on this character because she's like talking to Namor, seeing how Namor feels in the middle of this film in the second act. So it's really only the first act in the third act that we really get any idea of where Shuri's at as a character. At the end of the first act, it's Shuri with her mother at a campfire, and she mentions something about burning the whole world up. And that line came out of nowhere to me. And maybe that was intentional. Maybe I'll grant you that. Maybe it's intentional, but that line didn't work for me. And then the only time we really circle back to that is the beginning of the third act, where, I mean, an hour and a half has gone by, pretty much. And then she has this speech with Michael B. Jordan, this conversation. And then we realize that she's going to like burn the world down or something. She's going to take it over and kill Namor. And it's just, it's just this switch that I, I just did not see coming. It's just not good character writing, unfortunately, to me. It just did not seem like good character writing. And the fact that she seems so dead set that she's going to kill Namor, she's going to make him pay for this, and she gets him down. We hear her say she's going to you know, watch him die and all that stuff, and she's about to deal the blow, and then she just goes through a flashback of like how their stories are similar, and that's it. That's the arc? Guys, that's not good character writing. It just isn't. It just isn't good character writing. You cannot write a character this way. You you just can't. And the fact that we're just supposed to go through this 15-second montage of clips that we've already seen that happened through the film of how their stories are similar and in the end because they have a they have something similar, then that means not no. Like I'm not gonna do like that's just not good character writing, guys. It just isn't. And I'm not saying Shuri is a bad character, but in this instance, yeah, she got dealt a bad hand in terms of a good character arc. And that's really unfortunate. That's really unfortunate because this character seems to be very pivotal to this film. But at the same time, the film is focusing on so many other things happening. Namor, Thunderbolts, this, that. It, it just it doesn't ultimately pan out the way that I feel like it had the potential to to where we could get a really good arc, but we just don't spend enough time in the mind of Shuri for any arc to really feel earned. I don't really get that we get having a Koi arc or a Nakia arc or a Namor arc. Namor is still evil at the end of this film. He still is. So 
in the end, the movie's like kind of letting Namor, like this terrorist, essentially. I mean, and that is the word, guys. That is the word. And he's still out there. Like, there's nothing really felt satisfying about the arc the character goes on because it feels so sudden. It feels so unearned. Or the resolution of this villain. The film has spent half of its runtime focusing on there's no resolution. They just like go their separate ways. And we know, and it, it, the movie just ends like inevitably they're going to cross paths again. It just wasn't satisfying to me at all. Namor just wasn't a good villain. He's, he's not Killmonger. He just isn't. And I didn't think this, whatever the world's called, that they said Atlantis, Aquaman ripoff world or whatever, was all that interesting. Wasn't visually stimulating to me like what James Wan did in 2018, I think that movie was. It just did not, just didn't work for me, guys. So there's a, there are a lot of aspects in this film that, that really do frustrate me because of how poor the resolution is to the arcs, to the storylines. And that's really just one of the main sticking points that I have with this film. Now, again, there is a lot done well here. I think for the most part, all these performances are, are, are done well. The three main characters, obviously, Angela Bassett is the standout to me, but Okoye, Shuri, Nakia, even Mbaku, they're all, they all perform well in this film. The only frustration I have is I don't feel like any of their characters get a whole lot of justice done, with perhaps the ex exception of Angela Bassett, who I think really does have a good story from the beginning to the end of the film. I, I do really like, I think she's honestly probably one of the best parts of the film outside of, of the moments when they pay tribute to Chadwick Boseman. Now, I'm going to go back to, you know, some of the frustration that I have here with some of these visuals, just because we, we get a moment to see the potential here, because... Ryan Coogler has a lot of moments where he, I think he shines through the MCU template, if you will. The opening sequence of the film, the funeral, beautifully shot and, and just a beautiful sequence. In a few moments, he's really able to make this film feel different and make it feel like a movie, a movie movie, where it's not just the same style that we've seen throughout all these other MCU films. And so the potential of Coogler is still here. Like his talent is still embedded in this film with many great shots. But at the same time though, it's just frustrating to me that in, in a similar way where I see some of these great moments visually and thematically shine through, they're clouded by these other aspects that just don't work as much to me, like the Namor stuff or the the Thunderbolts Julia Lee Dreyfus stuff. And I just that part has never clicked with me that that Julia Louis Dreyfus is like this evil Nick Fury. I have not gotten along. I have not gotten this character yet at all. I just I just haven't. I've have not clicked with this storyline that they've been interweaving through all of phase four essentially. It just has not really worked for me yet. Maybe it will. You know, you know, I think we're getting the Thunderbolts film either next year or 2024. But man, they're going to have to do a lot of work here because as of right now, I'm just not on board with whatever team <laughs> they're in the middle of building right now. I'm just not. The post credit scene, I, I was expecting more Julie Weedrive. It's, it's not that. It's just a scene that honestly they probably should have put in at the end of the film and not as a post credit scene, quite frankly. But anyway, I thought that that scene was, was interesting 
but didn't ultimately do a, a whole lot for me. It just didn't, I don't know, I didn't really know what the impact of that was supposed to be to me. I mean, are we going to like have a 30 or I mean 20 year flash forward to where now he's going to be the Black Panther? I don't know. Just did not really, it's a nice little memento, I guess, but it's something they could have put in at the end of the film. Doesn't doesn't always have to be a post credit scene, guys. There just doesn't always have to be a post credit scene. It almost feels like at this point, it's out of obligation. Like we gotta put a post credit scene in here, and it really felt like the post credit scenes were cool. Like phase one, phase two, like they're pretty neat. And now it's just like this obligation. They feel like they just gotta put one at the end, and they never, they they have never been satisfying. I think at all in phase four, like the Venom one, and even in No Way Home was pretty lackluster. I didn't think that there was a great post credit scene. Trying to think anything else that I've forgotten about. Music kind of has similar things, like very stereotypical at times, but also had a lot of beauty in the more dramatic scenes. I think that's really the lesson of this film here. When it leans into the drama, this film is everything I really wanted it to be. But unfortunately, in a two-hour and 40-minute runtime, it feels like the drum is the 40 minutes. And the other two hours is a lot of the typical stuff that we've seen from the MCU that can be fun at times. But just in this film, for what this film needed to be, I did not feel like we needed the Namor stuff, the action stuff, the Ironheart, the Thunderbolts, Julia Louis Dreyfus stuff. All of this could have been cut. <laughs> all, all of this... Could have been cut. We did not need any of this. The amount of time they spent focusing on all these other storylines to get Ironheart in here, to get the Julie Dreyfus cameos in here, to you know give Namor more and more you know uh, screen time. Like I said, guys, this was not a film that I personally felt needed a villain. I just didn't. I I did not see the need here to have a, a villain, and especially when the villain that we get here is a villain that we've seen done already. We have already seen this story. I've read this book. I know how it ends. It's weird to me the resolution they end up coming to. It's incredibly unsatisfying, as are the arcs I feel like these characters go through. It, it, it kind of begins and ends the way I felt like in, it should. But the in-between, the stuff that matters, we kind of knew, guys, what the beginning of this film was going to be like and what the end of the film was going to be like. I'm pretty confident saying we knew Shuri and Wakanda are going to be in a, a place of grieving and mourning and perhaps a little bit of angst in there, a little bit of rebelliousness that was going to be a bit of a hump for Shuri to get over through the middle of the film. But when we get to the middle of the arc that our main character needs to go through, it's just not executed well. It just isn't. There is so much missing in this arc and so little fleshing out and and strong screen time that these arcs just don't feel well done and it's very unfortunate it's very unfortunate because this was a this arc had so much potential and i feel like they ended up squandering it by focusing on so many other aspects and kind of skipping over our main character's arc it just doesn't feel earned we have the first act and the third act and even the resolution of the of her arc in the third act feels so unearned with this 15-second flashback of how their Namor and Shuri's stories are similar. and But in the end, like it, it doesn't work for me. It doesn't. If people liked this film, they loved it, 
you know, hats off to them. Hats off to them. There are some great, dramatic, mature moments in this film that I thought were very well handled. I do. There, there were some, there were, there were some very solid moments. Moments, though, guys. I think that's really what we have to hold on to here. I cannot bring my score up because of a, a few moments. In the end, I have to look at the overall girth of this film, and I don't feel like it's focused. This movie focuses on all the right things. If you enjoyed this movie, I'm very happy. I'm very happy you did. I had a good experience watching this film, being with the family, talking about it afterwards, all that stuff. But I can do that with any movie, guys. I, I can. I can have that experience with any movie. You know, I love watching movies next to my brother's house because he's always just an absolute wonder. Anytime he's in, he's watching that big IMAX screen, I, I I just love that feeling. I love that that expression on his face, that just look of wonder, um, because it, it it it's something that I don't get with a lot of films nowadays. Nowadays, but. There are still films that I believe do this to me, like the Batman that I was like in complete admiration of every part of that film. But Black Panther Wakanda Forever just did not really like focus on what I thought all the right things were. When it does, when it focuses on that that baton being passed down, the reflection, all that stuff, the uh, Angela Bassett impassioned speeches. I really did highly enjoy all that stuff. I really did. I thought that stuff was very well handled. But there just isn't enough of it here and not enough time spent on our main character's arc here for me to really feel like this is overall a solid film to recommend. If you enjoyed this film, I'm very happy. But this film ends up lacking a strong lead, a strong lead arc, and it has a lot of other imposing ideas and Easter eggs they're wanting to get in and hints to other films, and it just ended up bothering me here. I wanted this film to work. I felt like this movie had the potential to work, and when it comes down to the stuff I think that everybody really cared about, I think that th this movie does a good job, but the runtime, the poor pacing of the film, the lack of a of a, a, a truly well-done leading character. I mean, they guys, they could have dropped 40 minutes out of this film and focused on the drama, the lead character, all the aspects that people really cared about going into this film. And I think we'd all be giving this movie like potential like best picture nominations, arguably. But I don't feel like that's a discussion anybody can have with this film. It made somewhat sense with Black Panther, even though I didn't really feel like it made a whole lot of sense. You could still have made the case, but this film, I don't think you can make the case because it's focused so much on all these other things that aren't that aren't the dramatic stuff that I ended up really caring about. So, unfortunately, it's a week not recommend, but there are still a lot of bright spots in this film I'm going to hold on to. The opening sequence, the funeral celebration of life sequence, beautiful stuff. Very well shot, very well handled. I felt the emotion. I felt the, the the performances by the actresses. That stuff was great. The tribute to Chadwick Boseman of the all of the MCU opening with him in in every frame. Loved it. The final scene reflecting again. Loved it. Guys, that's about three, four, five scenes. I like really enjoyed in this film, and the rest. 
I, I felt like we were not focusing on what I cared about, what I felt this movie needed to do. And unfortunately, it's a not recommend for me. There are some great highs in this movie, but there are also a lot of lows. And the movie slips up because it focuses on all these other things. It slips up on some of the stuff that matters most. And that's a lead character's arc to feel really well earned. I mean, guys, 2024, we got two Avengers films coming out. Crazy. 2024, 2025, I can't remember. Two Avengers films. Who? Let's think about that team for a second. Ant-Man. Possibly Spider-Man. Shang-Chi. This new version of Black Panther. The Eternals? She-Hulk? Hawk Girl? Not Loki. Um, Wasp? I don't think, maybe Thor, maybe Hawkeye, um, maybe the Guardians, of the, like, it's just not, this, it, I don't know, maybe the MCU just headed into an era that isn't what I treasure most. Maybe these this new cast of characters is going to do something for that younger audience that Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor did for me. Maybe, and I, I left out Falcon as Captain America. We got a different Captain America possibly leading the team here. I still need to see more of that character to get on board with that. But guys, it doesn't feel the same to me. And I, I was talking to my parents afterwards, like maybe it's just, I've moved on from, and this just isn't my era anymore. Or maybe there's a serious drop in quality here. I feel like it's just a little bit of both, but I, I cannot get, I feel like there is certainly a drop in quality that we're in the middle of seeing right now. You know, it's a not recommend for me. There's great performances here. There's great moments here. And moments of brilliant directing do shine through at times. But in a two-hour and 40-minute film, it feels like there's only about a good 40 minutes in this movie that I really end up caring about. And the other two hours are spent on stuff I, could care I couldn't care less about. So it's a not recommend for me. Not a strong not recommend, but a weak not recommend. I do not want to rewatch this film because of the runtime. And... If there's a part of this film I, I would want to rewatch, I can YouTube a few scenes. I can just YouTube it. If I want to see that opening tribute, I can YouTube it. Like there's about the, there's a lot of YouTuber YouTube moments in this film that I would go back and watch. But action-wise, this film does nothing for me. I mean, guys, John with chapter four. I mean, let's go, let's go, because that's the action film I'm anticipating next year. That's gonna be freaking awesome. We already need to do the John Wick retrospective before then. Maybe Mission Impossible 1, 2. I think we'll hold off on that one until we get to the last one. But John Wick Chapter 4 looks freaking awesome. I'm very excited for that thing. That's going to be really, really good. That's action I like. Just saying. That's action I like. But, man, anytime this movie gets into the action stuff, it's pretty bad. Like, it's, the action here is awful. The suits here, like, this Okoye suit, like, I get why she don't want to wear it because it looks like every freaking Marvel costume muted color style that we've seen at this point but guys i want to look into mcu phase four guys let's let's take a look here recap it what does this phase mean in the grand scheme of the mcu to, to start off with the obvious i think it's very clear this is the worst phase of the mcu this is the worst phase of the mcu i think it's it is pretty clear at this point this is the lowest phase of the mcu i think 
if you were to rank them, phase one and phase three are tied, then phase two, and then phase four. Phase four has had the most amount of projects out of any phase. They just have. I did not watch Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, or She-Hulk. I thought these were going to be things I'd regret. I do not. I do not regret missing these shows. I've heard Moon Knight was good. I watched the episodes. It was okay. She-Hulk. I don't even want to. I don't even want to talk about it. I mean, guys, I think that was like everybody could kind of gather around and say, "Hey, you know what? That thing sucked." <laughs> I just. I think we could like listen because Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, a, a show that I ultimately, that ultimately lost me. Same with WandaVision, a show that lost me. I kind of came back and said, hey, guys, listen, I know that there was a lot of good here, but ultimately those shows failed. They failed to engage and captivate for the, for the course of the season. So I, I felt like I was kind of fighting um, against the – voice opinion like the the main opinion of the masses she-hulk everybody could kind of come around and say hey yeah that thing that thing sucked <laughs> that, that was pretty bad guys 14 projects i believe wandavision falcon winter soldier loki black widow shang chi eternals hawkeye no way home moon knight miss marvel she-Hulk, Doctor Strange 2, Thor, Love, and Thunder, Wakanda Fire, I think that's like 14 or 15. And I think, let me just double check real quick. Is Wakanda forever the end of Phase 4? Yep, this is the end of Phase 4. So that is it. 15 films more than any other phase. Let's look at Phase 1. Iron Man. Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, First Avenger, Avengers. That's six films. So Phase 4 has more than doubled the amount in the first phase. Phase 2 was Iron Man 3, Thor, The Dark World, Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy, Age of Ultron, Ant-Man. Six films again. Phase 3, Silver War, Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Homecoming, Thor, Ragnarok, Black Panther, Infinity War, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain Marvel, Endgame, Far From Home. So that was actually a, a really big phase. That was a lot. <laughs> that was a lot. But again, Phase 4 has four more films than Phase 3 did. So be, And I'm not even including What If. So really like 16. Crazy guys, a crazy amount that they that they have ended up releasing this year, and or, or in this phase at least, and it's I think it's a it's a perfect textbook example that more is not always better. Sometimes you need to take a freaking break, <laughs> just take a break, you know, and really bunker down and. I don't know if planning it out's the right word. I don't know what the MC needs to do here. Actually, I think I do. I think that <laughs> I think I do. They need to divulge a little bit. 
and I've always been pushing for the MCU to try new things. And I, when I look at the fa this phase, the, one of the bright spots is Loki, which I felt did try new things. And Eternals also did. And that freaking sucked. I mean, that was awful. I mean, that was really, really bad. I'd watch Batman and Robin before I'd watch Eternals again. Which is crazy to even say. But I would. Eternals is two hours and 30 minutes of absolute boredom, artistic pretentiousness. At least Batman and Robin is not trying to say it's high art. <laughs> you know, and I feel, like, I feel like Eternals had the audacity to sit in front of me and say, hey, give me an Oscar. And I said, no, I will not because that is just not high art in the slightest. It just is not. But anyway, the MCU has tried new things. It has. And ultimately, that was what I was pushing for. They have tried new things, but they've tried to also stay in that formula. You can't have your cake and eat it too, unfortunately. And the MCU is trying to, hey, we're doing new things. You know, we're going to get Sam Raimi and we're going to make this low-budget looking Doctor Strange 2. But it's going to have all the beats of the other Marvel films. It just it, it, it's it's still that same formula. It's still the, the same thing with Quantum. Hey, we're gonna make this drama about you know this lineage passing, the mourning, and then we're gonna throw Namor in here, and we're gonna you know we're gonna hit to the Thunderbolts, and we're gonna put Ironheart in here. You want to see the Ironheart uh, Disney Plus show that's gonna be coming out next year? We're gonna hit this and throw this in there. To mix it all up. What do you get? You get a very confused film that ultimately was not satisfying, and I gave a not recommend to. WandaVision. Hey, we're gonna do the like weird retro TV thing, and we're gonna go, we're gonna go like through all the decades of television. Morning, we're gonna start. We're talking about Wanda's morning and loss, and all these weird different you know styles and retro stuff. And then we're gonna have the same typical third act of every MCU film. All the same beats. We're gonna put in that kind of textbook comedy we always want to throw into our projects, and. That that just did not that did not work for me. What made No Way Home work, guys, was that it knew what it was. It knew what it was. It, that No Way Home is not a film with a confused vision. That, that movie had a singular focus to me, and I felt like that film worked very well. And it remains a bright spot in Phase Four. Loki, I've kind of dampered on. In all honesty, I, it, it it to me it hasn't aged as well as I was hoping it would. Lots of great moments. Still a, a solid entry, but not the cream of the crop like I thought it was. No Way Home is. No Way Home is one of my favorite MCU films. I've seen it three times now, three or four. Loved it. I, I love No Way Home. It's it's a film I really, really enjoy. Hawkeye was fun. Fun, kind of cotton candy, but it was fun. Falcon Winter Soldier. Uh had a lot of good stuff, I thought, in the first half, and the second half kind of dwindled for me. Shang-Chi, really fun first two acts, and it kind of faltered for me in, in the third. Thor, Love, and Thunder, every bit as bad, if not worse, than the Eternals. Absolutely the worst. Okay, no. The worst thing I watched this year was Halloween Ends. That was pretty freaking bad. Thorland and Thunder is right next to it, though, as just this film that made me want to tear my hair out, scream at the 
freaking scream like screen like what are you doing what are you doing i i just did not get with that film at all all right awful awful and that was the film i was most excited for out of all these mcu films it ended up being the worst of phase four the worst let's look at the lows here the lows are clear here it's love and thunder and the eternals i'm not even gonna mention she hulk guys because i haven't seen it but I guarantee you it's worse than Eternals and Thor and Thunder. I mean, the trailer itself just looked awful. And the clips that I've seen are so freaking stupid. I, I just cannot deal with it at all. There's no way you're going to make me watch She-Hulk. There's no way. And it's actually the longest. It's the longest MCU show. I, I think I heard that. The longest? Oh, good Lord. Respect and pity to everybody that sat through that whole season. because. I would not be able to do it. I, I just don't think I'd be able to do it. So not even going to mention that. She-Hulk is probably the lowest low, but Eternals and Love and Thunder, from what I have personally seen, are the worst. And there are very different types of films. Love and Thunder is a flat-out comedy that's not funny. Like, it's the most unfunny comedy I think I've ever seen. And then it, it has the audacity to try and make you cry at the end and actually give a crap about the characters that it spends no time trying to build up or give any lick of a good story or arc to. Just an incredibly frustrating film all around. Eternals is a slow attempt to be thought. It just, I don't even want to talk about it, man. I, I got to. Uh, Eternals to me... I did not like Nomad's Land. I've been on the record and saying it. I did not finish it. I didn't think it was that great. Had good, beautiful moments of filmmaking. Eternals has some good moments visually. A couple good performances. Thematically, though, it fails spectacularly. And it's a slow, meandering, just... Drags on and on. I was I was just oh 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 <laughs> not good. Don't I don't remember any of the characters in Eternals besides Sprite. That was just because I thought it was weird they called somebody Sprite. Other than that, don't remember any of the characters' names. Don't remember any of don't like Barry Keoghan was in it. Um there was a Peter uh, Alexander. Not there was a the guy who played his it, Bill Skarsgård. Is it Bill Skarsgård? He was the big floating thing in the sky. That I thought that was pretty cool. I was like, oh, I liked that scene. I like that music. Wow. I I liked the song Pink Floyd at the beginning, but I'm not going to credit them for using a great song. Anybody can put a great song in there. Um. Yeah, boy, that movie sucked. That was really bad. Anyway, um, was that this year? No, that was last year. Guys, it is crazy how quickly this year has gone by. We are already in November, and Thanksgiving is next week. That's insane to me. I cannot believe how quickly this year has gone by. To me, those, those two films are the lowest. Highest highs are Loki and No Way Home. No Way Home is heads and tails above everything in Phase 4. It really is the one saving grace this phase has because Loki was kind of a like a pimple on the 
but a phase four, like of 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 the MCU. Just like it, it was good, but ultimately nobody's really talking about Loki at this point. No way home. Did record numbers. People showed up for it. They cheered. They laughed. They cried. We're still talking about it. We still think it's a lot of fun. It made memes. I don't really care about that, but it I, that's important to some people. I watched it packed out theater. There was laughter. There was, uh, I thought I heard a little bit of crying in there. I didn't cry in it, but I got it was emotional. That film just had everything to me. Like I, I'm a I'm a big Spider Man a Spider Man fan. That film just did it for me. And rewatching it a couple times afterwards, it's only gotten better and only gotten stronger in my opinion. I bought the Blu-ray. I will not buy any Blu-rays to any Phase Four installment. So that's really ultimately quite a, quite a high praise from Noah Newcomb. Uh, I bought the Blu-ray for this one. I've seen it. It's it's a, just a really good film. Really good film. Loki had a lot of cool stuff in it, particularly the first half. I thought was neat. It, it had a, it has a couple flaws in my opinion, but it's it's a solid entry. Hawkeye as well, very similar case, but Hawkeye is very very forgettable, guys. Much like the character, the legacy of the show is very forgettable. I forget it came out, which is crazy. <laughs> I like, like the show. Its reputation is just like the people's preconception of the character, which is nuts. But I've actually forgotten about this show on multiple occasions. Multiple occasions. Black Widow, um, the first MCU film since Far From Home, and that that's actually a year in between. A year in between, and it... it just beats I've seen before. It's a weaker version of Winter Soldier. Some of the worst CGI I've seen from the MCU. Very pitiful third act. A sloppy character piece on Black Widow. A character we all liked. Like It felt like this movie could have been impossible to mess up. They found a way. It's not a great action film. And it's not a great spy thriller. A very unfortunate film. And one that's only gotten worse in memory. Shang-Chi. Really enjoyed the first two acts in particular. Had some very fun action in the beginning. Uh, third act makes a drastic dip into all the same schlock we've seen before. Bad action in the third act. Bad CGI. Um, poor character arc resolution. Ultimately just didn't work for me. Eternals. Say no more. No way home. I've already mentioned that. Doctor Strange. Multiverse of Madness. Lots of fun moments, very creative work by Sam Raimi. From from time to time, it's like a six out of ten on my book. There's a lot of problems I have with this film. I I appreciate the madness that Sam Raimi brought to the film, but at the same time, it brought a whole lot of other flaws with it. Then we end up circling back to the main focus on this review, and that is Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. And you know, I've already gone on length. Gone on record to say what I think about this film. I think it's got a lot of good moments in it and does a lot of things very well. But ultimately, it's a, it ends up being rather cluttered. The main character's arc doesn't get enough attention. And it ultimately doesn't feel very justified by the time we get to the very end of the film. has a great beginning and a great ending. But the middle and most important part of the film, the, the, the very meat of the film... It doesn't have a lot of merit, and it's ultimately a weak recommend for me. 
that being said, it's one of the better installments of Phase 4. If I had to rank Phase 4, I, I, I'm going no way home, heads and, soul, head, heads and tails above everything else here in Phase 4. Then we have Loki, Hawkeye, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Um, probably go WandaVision, Wakanda Forever, Falcon and Winter no, Shang-Chi, Falcon Winter Soldier, Black Widow, Thor Love and Thunder, Eternals. Yep. But I think, yeah, I think I think that's everything. It good there was I mean a few good things in this phase, but ultimately, guys, this was a very dark chapter in the MCU. Hopefully, it's something they're able to get out of in phase five, but the the trek that they're on right now, it really shows no sign of stopping. And we're just gonna have to see at some point if people are tired of it. I'm getting there. I may not go to if phase five is as bad as phase four was. I mean, I think I'm done. Like, I don't think I can go through another 13 to 16 phase of this type of quality. It's just the the quality was poor to mediocre. So I, I cannot. I don't know if I'm going to watch 16 more films like this without a bright spot. I mean, No Way Home rejuvenated me in hopes that, hey, MCU still has it in them to make a really good film. They just haven't done that. Other than No Way Home, they haven't really done that. Nothing's been really good recently. So I'm, I'm not sure where this leaves us. Let me see. Let's go through Phase 5 real quick. Phase Five of the MCU. Let me see. Yeah, let's go to Marvel Cinematic Wikipedia Phase Five. Okay, let's see. Okay, here we go. Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania looks okay. Here's my thoughts. Looks like Spy Kids could be fun. I think I'll rate it either a 6 out of 10 or a 5 out of 10. Don't see this film being great. Don't see this film being bad. Just another kind of mediocre one, you could say. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, next year. I am excited for this film. James Gunn has not disappointed yet. This will be a film I watch, for sure. Hold on, let's freaking pop up and get that out of here. Okay, okay, there we go. Next, 2023. The Marvels, easily the most unexciting film on this list. Not interested. Maybe I'll watch it. I'm not sure. They haven't liked either of the Marvels, quote-unquote, in this. They're going to be the leaders of this film, so I don't have a lot of interest in this project right now. Maybe that'll change. But that's 2023. Three films. Okay. Let's look at the like. Let's look at the television that's going to be coming out in 2023. There, there's a ton. Um. Okay. Secret Invasion. Echo. Okay. Secret Invasion. I think looks really good, but I'm not going to watch it. Echo. Not going to watch it. Loki season two. Ironheart season one. And then Agatha Harkness. A show that I just do not want. We'll kick off. So that's eight projects, actually. 
Eight projects the MCU has planned for 2023. Three movies, five shows. That's a lot. Clearly, they haven't learned anything from the whole, uh, you know, sometimes it should be quality over quantity. It doesn't seem like that's anything they have learned. But anyway. Captain America, the New World Order. Now we're in 2024. New World Order is the first film in Phase 4. Four or phase five. New World Order, followed by Thunderbolts, and then followed by Blade. Thunderbolt, actually, all three of these films I have a fairly deep interest in. I would be down to watch all three of these films. TV wise, it's Daredevil Born Again. I think that's the only thing they have here. Daredevil Born Again. That is phase five. Five right there. So, no Avengers film yet. There's some good stuff in there. I would say movie wise, Blade, Thunderbolts, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. I mean, it could be good, guys. I mean, I'm 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 an eternal optimist for the MCU because I'm still desperately holding on to the good that they have brought us in the past. I think that they could still deliver. We're just gonna have to see which one of those films is is gonna be it because. Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm interested, but I've seen this done. You know what I mean? I mean, I I am not sure what else they're gonna really do with these characters. They're they've kind of run them into the ground at this point, in my opinion, at least. Thunderbolts could be exciting. The anticipation and build up to it has been pretty lackluster so far, but they may be able to get something really good there with that film. Um, this new Captain America film has potential. Uh, Secret Invasion, I think, will probably be good. Blade, if they make it R, could be good, but I don't think they will. So I think it'll probably feel like a film that we'll, we're going to look back on it and go, hey, should have made it R. And it kind of ends up being a lackluster action film that stays relatively safe to what I think a lot of fans are hoping for it to be. But... Guys, I'm not saying the MCU cannot pull one out of the hat here. Maybe Phase 5 is great, and we're going to look back on Phase 4 as a slight misstep in the grand scheme of the MCU, and Phase 5 brings it all back, and we're all back in, and hey, let's go. You know, DC is still in the dust, and Marvel's just going to keep on going. But as of right now, I'm more excited for what DC is coming up because I just don't know what to expect. Everything here with Phase 5 and on, I know what to expect. I've seen this stuff before. Marvel shows no sign of changing up the formula at all. They've done a couple things different, but ultimately it all goes back to that same formula that we've gotten used to at this point. And maybe this is just a superhero problem, but this isn't something that I had with the Batman or even Black Adam, a film that I thought was way more fun than a lot of these other MC films that have come out recently, the television shows, the movies, and Phase 4. I, Black Adam is better than a lot of them. It, it really is. So, guys... MovieManiacs2020.gmail.com. As always, let me know what you thought. What you thought of Phase Four? Ultimately, I think it's a pretty dour phase. Not one I look at very highly. I've been pretty generous in my discussions on it. I, I think it's a pretty bad phase. In all honesty, it's not good. Not a lot of good stuff here. Very frustrating. Uh, definitely some stuff here worth tearing your hair out over. MCU has never had a phase this bad. Hopefully, they can bring it back out and, you know. You know, come back from this because this is a pretty bad tarnish on their brand, in my opinion, from my perspective. And this did a lot of damage for my 
love of the MCU. I am significantly a lesser MCU fan after going through 2020 through 2022. It's been a rough time to be an MCU fan, in my opinion. Hopefully, you guys have enjoyed all these films and are going to continue to because I never wish for anybody to go and watch a film and hate it. I've done that with a couple of these MCU films. It's not a fun feeling. I hope people thought this was the best phase and MCU keeps getting better. I, you know, if, if people are enjoying these films, that's great. I, I, I encourage that enjoyment. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed this stuff. I just haven't. And even some Marvel skeptics have come kind of, they like say, hey, Black Panther 2 is pretty good. I, I, I didn't see that. I didn't see Wakanda Forever as a very good film. Even though it showed moments, it ultimately as a as a, 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 overall, the overall girth of that film was not good, in my opinion. And hopefully Phase 5 is able to resurrect the MCU. It's in a very dead spot right now. Hopefully they can bring it all back. I'll, also, I forgot to mention Werewolf by Night. I don't think anybody, I heard it was good. Didn't really watch it. I don't have Disney Plus anymore. So anyway, hope Andor is good, by the way. Heard good things about it. Wish I was watching it. Don't wish I was watching She-Hulk. Guys, we, we still have a lot of stuff to cover. I'm going to be reviewing Tar, starring Kate Blanchett, a film that I think will definitely be at the top of the list, the creme de creme, for the Oscars in 2023. Guys, when we start talking about more Oscar films, I got to mention this. Jimmy Kimmel hosting the Oscars. What an... Oh! <laughs> That's going to be bad. I'm, guys, bring back Wanda Sykes. I mean, good grief. If there's any other step down they could go, it's Jimmy Kimmel, for goodness sakes. I mean, oh, yeah, that's going to be rough. That's going to be, that's going to be a rough ceremony. You know, the live stream went awful this year. Maybe we'll find a way to bring it back and, and uh, do a better job at that. But the quality was fuzzy. The quality is poor. Hopefully we can figure out that and make sure that does not happen again. But anyway, that's it. we're Oscar season, baby. Oscar films are coming out, guys. The menu came out this weekend. Anya Taylor-Joy, Ralph Fiennes, uh, a very big cast. I'm going to hopefully watch that movie this weekend. I hope it's better than Wakanda Forever. I think it could be a really good film. I'm going to give you guys my review for Black Adam as well. That'll be coming out at some point. Tar, Kate Blanchett, stay tuned for that film. I think it's going to be a really big film in the Oscars discussion. Lots to talk about with that particular film. Guys, we are going to be having a lot more content coming out on the podcast. So thank you guys so much for staying loyal to the show. I know that I put you guys on a bit of a break, and I apologize for that, but we are back in business, baby! So as always, moviemainx2020 at gmail.com if you have any questions, any notes that you would like for me to, for me to bring up or any topics topics of discussion, you can do all of that in moviemainx2020 at gmail.com. Give the show a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcast. A review always helps, guys. It helps a whole lot. It's hard at this point to crack into the podcasting business. It's so crowded, so cluttered. You know, we got Meghan Markle and Kim Kardashian making podcasts now. So the competition is very heavy for, for Porno and Newcomb here. I don't really expect to be able to break into that top area or whatever. It doesn't seem like it's going to happen. But guys, for the loyal listeners, for the believers, stay tuned. We got more stuff coming out. I greatly appreciate you guys staying loyal to the show. I will be back with my review for Tar, starring Kate Blanchett. It's going to be a great discussion. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll see you guys next time. Peace.